0: This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders, I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today's guest is doing amazing things with sales leaders and salespeople worldwide. I am pumped to welcome Amber Dybert. She's a performance coach for salespeople who's helping people find their mojo, think bigger, and set new standards for performance worldwide. She's a sales leader who's helped fuel head-turning growth and multi-billion-dollar valuations, who's worked with some of the best and brightest in the world. Now, she's walked in the shoes of a sales leader, and she knows what you're going through right now. And as part of her journey, she had to learn how to overcome the challenges every elite performer must learn to overcome in order to become one of those top one percenters. So no secret, I love Amber's work. She hosts her own podcast. She's highly involved in our sales community, and she's contributing to our sales environment in a ton of ways right now that I can't wait to share with you. I've been trying to get her on our show for a long time and I'm super pumped to have her dive into a conversation with me that I know is going to help every one of our nearly 50,000 listeners find that swaggy version of themselves and set new standards in their lives and in their careers. If you can't tell this is a conversation I'm pumped to have. I cannot wait to get started. Amber, welcome to our show and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Finally. We're finally. Here,
0: Bob. Let's go.
1: I can't wait. I just, I like, it's so fun talking with you because I feel like the sparks just fly. i like, we nerd out with each other on the same things and everything that we talk about. I'm like, people need to know about this.
0: Amen. Amen. And, and I, and like, people are going to fall in love with you. This is going to be a good one. I, what we're talking about, we're recording this in, in the first part of December, it's going to go live or sometime early January. And the timing is going to be perfect, Amber. So Why don't you start by introducing yourself and your firm uh, and what you do for the sales leaders you work with?
1: Yeah. So I work with the top 1% of sailors, sellers, sailors, sailors. (laughs) I'm not opposed to sailors. They can come over too. (laughs) and uh, I help them with their mindset. So if you feel like you're, you are the thing getting in your own way, that's how I help you get out of your own way. There's nothing more frustrating to me than people not living up to their potential And it's not a lack of knowledge. It's not that they don't know what to do. They know exactly what to do. They just can't get themselves to do it. So I work with those people and I help them attain their first seven figures, get out of their own way, crush their quota, get their mojo back. There's a lot of that going around right now with post pandemic. And it's just so rewarding and so fun to help people really unlock all the potential that they have.
0: I love it. So I think you got a lot of people's attention with that because Saying what you said is one thing, but actually being able to help people do that is another thing, because there's a lot more to it than just being a cheerleader on the sideline. And I, yeah, I cannot wait to dive in. So, so you have a really cool story though. Like, can you just give like the 50,000 foot, like how you got associated with the sales world?
1: Yeah. So my whole background, and I share this openly on LinkedIn is I grew up in poverty. I'm the second kid of six. There was eight people in my family we made around $12,000 annually wow which i mean i wasn't born in the 50s so <laughs> i mean it wasn't a lot of money to go around so i from there like went to the university of utah we can still be friends cuz i know you're a cougar how <laughs> you Um, but I graduated from school, started in the corporate world, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just um, kind of worked my way up. I was a salesforce.com system administrator for a while. I was a scrum master, an agile trainer. I got into learning and development. Eventually, I found myself living in San Francisco, working at a tech unicorn that was valued at over a billion dollars. After five years, I was managing people for the first time. I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. And it was the imposter syndrome that stood out most to me. People who have imposter syndrome feel like they're the odd one out for some reason. For me, it was this growing up in poverty. Like people are going to find out that I'm actually poor, which living in San Francisco, Mm. like I was not poor. (laughs) We were in the top 1%, but I still carried those beliefs with me. And I just thought that other people were confident and they had something that I didn't have and I just wasn't born with it. And it wasn't until I learned these mindset tools that I realized actually that's not true at all. You can be as confident as you want to be. It's so interesting. I just barely got off a call with a client this morning who was talking about wanting to be confident and seeing these other people who are confident. And it was, it was like a, like a quick view into my past of like, oh man, I remember feeling that way. And I don't feel that way at all anymore. Confidence is not a problem for me. And it used to be like the thing that I was like, I'll just never be confident so I, love it. I, I've worked, uh, I started my coaching business five years ago. I quit my job. I was in sales enablement and I, uh, started working with clients. I worked them with on them with our mindset. When I started working with sales clients, I was like, oh man, mindset is really key for people in sales. It's so key. Cause my, I feel like sales is 90% your mental game. And if you can fix that, you can crush it. You can be so, so successful in sales.
0: Okay. Now this is like, like people that have been listening to the show for a long time. Now they know why I love you already. Okay. Um, This is maybe my favorite topic. I think it's so important. So let's just dive in, Amber. We got, we're going to run out of time. I already know how this is going to go. We're going to run out of time fast. So I just want to dive in. Again, we're recording this in December. It's going to go live early uh, in January. And to all of our listeners, be sure to send Amber a birthday message that second week of January. It's her birthday when this goes live. So mm-hmm. uh, I hope she gets overwhelmed with Sales Leadership Podcast uh, listeners wishing you happy birthday. And thanks mm-hmm. for joining us. Um, when this happens for sales teams, we're focused on new year, new goals. We're going to be asked to do new things. And there's there's always some kind of an anticipation about what's happening and what the goal might be or what the expectations might be, or if the goals are going to be realistic. But right now we got other things that are happening that make it feel like maybe next year might have maybe even a few different challenges associated with it. Right. And so for leaders and salespeople that are taking all these factors into account right now at this critical time, if a leader wants to help their team upgrade their performance in 2023, where do we start?
1: You know what? The thing that I lean on the most is psychological safety. And I don't know if you're familiar with that term. If you're not, um, there's a great site. We can link it up in the show notes. It's rework by Google. And they did a a study inside of Google. So clearly like this is for Google, but they did a study of what makes the most successful teams. And the number one thing over and over again is psychological safety. What that means is that you are willing to be vulnerable in front of your team and that your team feels, um, safe. They feel like if they can, they can throw out an idea that might be perceived as a bad idea and not be shunned for it, that they can bring up problems that are happening. They feel like they have that psychological safety. They're not going to be, um, criticized for kind of doing something that, um, or saying something that might be out of like wild, you know, like they feel like they can bring up these new ideas. And I think that's what sales leadership really needs right now is we need to be able to innovate. We need to be able to think about things in a different way. We're in a completely new landscape with remote work, with post pandemic. It's not the same sales motion that we've had in the past. And the easiest way to innovate is by allowing people to share how they feel about things and how the different ideas that they have and what they think might go wrong, what they think might could go well. And a different way to uh, approach something. And so I think psychological safety and creating that environment of safety on your team is the number one thing, if you ask me.
0: All right. We're going to sit in this for a minute then. This wasn't even on our list of things that we thought we might talk about when we started. No. And so I want to sit in this because I think this is big. In our four years on the show, we haven't ever really hit psychological safety as a topic mm-hmm. on its own. So I, oh, let's I, do it. That's why I want to sit in for because Cause I think that there's two key skills that are going to be important for next year. And one of them is, cre- is creativity. And, and so psychological safety is interesting because the way you develop creativity is you make it safe instead of fail safe, it's safe to fail. Yeah. And, um, and creativity requires reps. That's what it requires is reps. And I love what you said. Everything's new. Like everything's new. I- I- I used to say like it's 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 not your daddy's sales world anymore. Well, now I have to say it's not even your big sister's sales world anymore. It's right. changed that fast, right? Right. And and so when you're creating a culture with psychological safety, you gave us a great definition. I love that. I I hope our sales leaders are taking notes because this is a topic that's massively important. And as a leader, this goes to the environment. We have three roles: development of people, creation of environment, and then accomplishment of goals. This is a crucial part of a successful environment, I think. So I mm-hmm. so I'm I'm going to push pause cuz I love you for bringing us here, okay? Yeah. How do you create an environment that has psychological safety as a hallmark, not just something that we talk about?
1: Um I think it starts with you, again I mentioned this before, but you being willing to be vulnerable in front of your team. So I've worked with new leaders in the past and the biggest thing about being a new leader is that you feel, and I talk a lot about imposter syndrome. You feel like you're making all of this up. You don't know what you're doing. And for new leaders and old leaders alike, being willing to be vulnerable in front of your team. I'm a really big fan of um, the five dysfunctions of a team. Patrick great book. book. Great book. And he talks about building trust. And in order to build trust, you have to be willing to share the things that your team already knows about you to be clear. So um, being willing to say, I don't know if this is the right way to move forward, but are you willing to try it with me? Mm. And I'm not sure that this is the right thing. We might adjust later, but kind of sharing those things of like, this is the first time I'm approaching this. I'm not sure, but if you've built trust with your team, you've created that psychological safety, your team is going to be bought in. They're going to be interested and willing to go down that path with you. And by you showing them that it's okay to be fallible, they're going to be willing to do that as well. I found the definition. There's kind of a way that you can measure the psychological safety on your team. This is from Amy Edmondson. Okay. Um, there's seven questions. So number one is if you make a mistake on this team, it is and you kind of like, how strongly do you agree or disagree? If you make a mistake on this team, it is often held against you. Question number two, members of this team are able to bring up problems and tough issues. Question number three, People on this team sometimes reject others for being different. Question four, it's safe to take a risk on this team. Question five, it is difficult to ask other members of this team for help. Question six, no one on this team would deliberately act in a way that undermines my efforts. And question seven, working with members of this team, my unique skills and talents are valued and utilized. I'm always telling managers... Good managers play checkers. They move every piece the same way. They give feedback the same way. They praise people the same way, no matter who the person is. Great managers play chess. They know that the pawn moves differently than the knight. They praise this person in public and praise that person in private because they know that those different people are motivated and run different ways. It's so important to know individual traits of the people on your team.
0: Okay, Amber, that's going to be the title of our of our uh, episode. I always am wondering when I start an episode what, you're going to, so, what the person's going to say to give us our title. It's going to have something to do with playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Okay, yes. and and that's going to be what our title's about. And because that's what you're talking about, you when you unlock that mindset, and it starts first by having an environment where it's okay and safe to do yeah. these kinds of things. I, I love that. Those seven questions are for sure going to be something that I'll turn into a video clip and put into sales leadership United so people can get those. I I think that's a really great like lens to look through. Like, am I doing these things? I would, I would advise everyone to go back and write those ones down and, or look them up like you gave them the source, but, Mm -hmm. but be intentional about this. I think psychological safety is an interesting topic that people hear about and it intrigues them, but I don't know that enough people really want to learn about it so they can be intentional about creating that.
1: Well, because it's so scary. Like as a manager, you don't want to admit to your team that you don't know what you're doing. You're supposed to be the leader. They're looking to you. They want all the answers. And so you, there's this fallacy that you need to be infallible and you need to be the one that knows all the answers and has all the answers. And otherwise it feels really scary to be in your position. But the fact of the matter is I want everybody to think about when you've had a manager in the past that you didn't trust, it's probably because they didn't show their real self in front of you. Or maybe sometimes they showed their real self, but other times in team meetings, they didn't show their real self. It was like this fake facade version of them. And so you didn't trust them because you didn't know who they were. And people can always see through the facade. They always can see if you're being real or if you're not being real. And so just be real, build that trust. There's another great book that's called The Speed of Trust. Things move so much more quickly when you're moving when you have the trust there's not all the the red tape and all the barriers and all the politics because people trust each other and so they can move quickly and that's what you need in an innovative creative environment where you're going to be able to find a new way to navigate this new sales uh, environment that we have
0: we read a lot of the same books i like that book by the way that's a good one (laughs) Um, (laughs) we do um Psychological safety as a starting point is interesting. It's funny as I listen to you, Amber, I'm just like checking some stuff off in my head. And it's interesting how you said we have this fallacy of being the infallible leader. I, I jotted that one down. That was fun to think about because we do feel pressure that we got to know what we're doing or we have to have this strong front forward. But here's what I've also noticed and why like I love how you call it this fallacy because people do... Like real leaders or vulnerable leaders. Here's what people don't like: they don't like leaders who put themselves up on a pedestal. Yeah. Leaders on pedestals, all they make is easy targets. That's all you make is an easy target, yeah. and they are willing and able to try and knock you off that pedestal. So it's bad business anyway, but it screws up trust. You're right, and and so bringing that real version of yourself. That's interesting. Any t- any thoughts on how you do that?
1: Um, I think it is by admitting what's going on. And I think there's a line here, like don't overshare, don't don't make yourself the bearer of bad news or don't make yourself the one that like talks crap with people and I don't know, like talks poorly about, it. like still have that professionalism, but be willing to admit when you don't know things. And I think what the way that I reframed it for myself when I was a manager for the first time is it's not my job to know everything. It's not my job to be the most knowledgeable person on the team. It is my job to assemble my chess pieces. <laughs> I don't know what's a good analogy. There? No, I love the
0: analogy cuz you're right. The different you have these levers, you have these pieces and pawns move this way and knights move this way and you're it's, it's such a good analogy.
1: Yeah, it's my job to get the right people in the right seats. And then it's my job. People talk about being a servant leader versus being a like, top-down leader. A top-down leader is micromanaging. They're telling everybody what to do. They expect themselves to be the smartest person on the team. A servant leader is the bottom up. They're facilitating whatever their team needs. I'm in service to my team. I'm uh, removing the roadblocks that they have. I'm helping them to be successful. Like I'm here to help them. I don't need to be the most smart person. I just need to be able to unlock The knowledge and the expertise and the ideas that the people on my team have. It's more about assembling the team of like, you know what, like our team is not good at SEO or I don't know, whatever it would be. Let's go find that expert who's much smarter than me in that topic. I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. I just have to find the people who are knowledgeable in those topics to be able to build this team.
0: All right. So let's shift. I like that. That's a nice little starter in psychological safety and I already know that sometime next year, I'm going to be calling up, say, Amber, I want you back for round two. Okay. Um, And maybe we'll go diaper there. I want to shift the mindset a little bit now. Okay. So let's, let's shift the mindset a little bit. Uh, I I mentioned this before. It's really easy to say the stuff that that makes for like quotable quotes on wherever you want to be. Like, if you believe it, it, yeah, Yeah. if you believe it, you can achieve it and, you know, and and get your mindset right. And, and I, I hear people talk about it. But what I find is it's much less frequent to have someone who can actually help. Cause just saying do it isn't good enough. Get your mindset right is not good enough. Like, how do you really help people build that titanium grade, bulletproof, super enabling mindset? Like there's got to be things that people can do. I think most leaders, they aren't trained in how do you do that? So they just give it lip service, is what I think.
1: Yeah. So with leaders, I start with them first. They need to learn the tools for themselves. And once they learn the tools for themselves, they can start to help their teams or be able to see what's going on with their teams. So I teach a process, a cycle that's the think, feel, act cycle. What you're thinking creates the emotion that you feel. So if I'm thinking I'm not cut out for this, I'm going to feel inferior. And what you feel creates the action that you take. If I'm feeling inferior, I'm not going to go take massive, amazing action. I'm going to probably take no action. I'm going to go scroll LinkedIn or scroll on my phone or waste time for hours. However, if I change the way that I think, and I think something like I'm the kind of person who can figure this out, I might feel more confident or I might feel more determined. And from that feeling of determination, that's the fuel that I need to take the action that I want to be taking. So I teach the think, feel, act cycle. Love it. And when you learn how to apply it to yourself, you can start to learn how to apply it to your team. You, with other people, you can see their action line. You can see what is the action they're taking or not taking. And then you can kind of work backwards of like, I wonder what they're feeling that's causing that action. And I wonder what they're thinking that's causing that feeling.
0: I love what you just said. I want to make sure I got it right. I think I heard it right, but I want to sit on it because I think it's a big enough deal. Feelings become fuel, is what I wrote down. Yes, is, is that right?
1: Feelings are the fuel for the action that you take. If you're not taking action, it's because you're not feeling great.
0: I love it because I think that we have a lot of like. I look at leaders as there's rookies, there's average, and then there's elite leaders. Yeah. And I have like I think that coaching is about psychology. So I'm thinking about this flow that I have that I call the psychology of elite sales coaching, and the rookies usually are stuck in activity management. Okay. They're stuck in activity management and the fuel becomes work ethic. Right. So that's why when you said fuel, it took me to this. I want to sit in this because I got a lot of leaders who think, Oh, if it's a tough year, we just got to go. Well, what if we do have a recession? What if the market gets 10% smaller, but I have a 10% growth number. Okay. Well, a lot of people are going to say, well, that means you got to do 20% more calls. I don't think that's a recipe for success. I think that's a recipe for burnout, because I think that there's no behavior that can change unless there's a belief that changes first. Okay. Yeah. And so I would love to have you dive into this concept of feelings as fuel, because I think fuel. If there's, I, and I'll get off my 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 soapbox here, but I want you to kind of see where I'm going with this, because I think this is a big one. If 2023 is going to be about upgraded performance, we all we all have to grow. And that means we better upgrade some of our systems. And one of the systems should be, how do we create horsepower in our engine? Okay. Yeah. I, I think there's like 10 or 12 different systems that we have to be and One of them is the horsepower system and horsepower comes from fuel. And, and so feeling as a fuel is something that I would, I don't want that to be soft and fluffy. I know you well enough now already, Amber, even though we only kind of know each other, you, there are specific ways you can turn feelings into fuel. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. Well, so the thing that you focus on is what you're thinking about. People are always trying to change their feelings or they want to feel differently, but they're not focused on what they're thinking about. And your thoughts are what create your feelings. So it's so interesting. You talk about this, like you talk about beliefs. I might call them thoughts. I call them beliefs too. But like, if you believe that you are going to find a new sales strategy, or you're going to find a new process, or you're going to find a new persona, that's going to be great to sell to then you're going to find it. If you believe that that's not out there, then you're not going to do it. (laughs) And it's because of the feelings piece, the feeling becomes the fuel for taking the action that you want. So it's so, so helpful. The very first step is to become aware of what you're thinking. The tool that I love using the most for this. And I think if nothing else, like this could have a profound difference in anybody's day, spend five minutes in the morning or in the afternoon, whenever, and just write out the thoughts in your head. This is not a journal entry. This is not, doesn't have to be linear. doesn't have to be logical. It's not for anybody else to read. I do this a lot of times. I just crumple, crumple up the paper and throw it away afterwards. But getting the thoughts out of your head onto paper helps you start to become aware of what's in there. Mm.
0: So good. Become aware of what you're thinking. Yeah. And, uh, you're the first person to tell me that one on the show. And, and I like that. That's something that a leader could do immediately. In fact, you should do that right now. As a result of listening to this, take out a piece of paper and write down, like, what are you thinking? Like, is that something you do? Like how frequently is that? Like a weekly, is that a daily? Is that like a monthly?
1: I think I have a lot of clients who do it daily myself. I tend to do it um, as like i I'm feeling particularly emotional about something and I need to get all my thoughts out. There's something amazing that happens after you just do this. I call it a brain dump after you do this brain dump um, is for some reason, it's like your brain thinks, oh, it's documented. I don't have to ruminate about it anymore. (laughs) So you kind of like clear your mind, you come into your next call level headed and you can move on with your day. But this is a great way to become aware of those. Like for me, I've already done a lot of work to explore my kind of beliefs, my routine thoughts, the things I've been thinking for decades the things that I've carried on with me from being a child. If you haven't done that, this is a great way to find like, what are those kind of thoughts that are just playing on repeat in your head and start to become aware of them. And then once you become aware of them, that's when you can be able to change. But I think what happens right now is so many people, um, call it manifesting call it mantras, whatever you want to call it. They try to, it's like, it's like you had a bad meal (laughs) excuse the analogy here you like went to a hole in the wall didn't turn out so great and like this meal is just like wreaking havoc in your system and you're constipated but you like (laughs) people like drink a green smoothie and they're like oh but I just put some good stuff in there so it's going to be fine but they don't get the bad stuff out first like it doesn't matter how many like positive affirmations you give yourself you like it's not going to work unless you like clear out all the stuff that's on repeat in your head. That's holding you back.
0: Sorry, I'm taking notes. I'm already starting page two of my notes with Amber. Um, (laughs) I I once had someone tell me that I should find a way to publish all the notes from like all 200 and some odd episodes of these, just my notes. That'd be interesting someday. Um, This is really good. I like getting the garbage out. You're right. You're right. That stuff stays in there for a long time. And how damaging can that be? If if we're talking about thoughts and thoughts give us feelings and feelings are what we use as fuel. You're right. it's, It's impossible to do something epic if you've got something that's blocking that. And like I said, I the way I say it is there's no behavior that can become permanent unless a, be- a belief changes first. Otherwise, you're going to have a conversation around willpower. Willpower will always let you down. Ultimately, if it's right. only about will- willpower, willpower will always let you down at some point. Okay. Yes. And that's why it's got to go past willpower. It's got to go to belief and desire and what you think is possible, and what you think is real. And you've got to change those thoughts because then that's the fuel that creates desire. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Where The way I think about it is willpower is limited. Yep. It can get you so far, but you're probably going to burn out if that's all you're operating off of. 100%. But if you change your beliefs or you change your thoughts to something that you do believe that does feel attainable to you, and I think that's where a lot of people go wrong, they're like, well, I want to believe that I'm amazing and super awesome and like a superhero, but I don't actually believe that. I'm just going to keep telling myself that in hopes that I believe it. But picking something that you do believe will automatically create the feeling and that feeling will be the automatic fuel for the action that you want to take. You don't have to use willpower if you have the right formula in place.
0: Yeah, this is, this is really good. I, I, I've been for a long time saying rookies use the grind and work ethic as fuel and average ones use willpower as fuel, yeah. but the elite ones use belief or what you call thoughts and feelings as fuel. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. Because you and I see it all the time. Of, yeah. There's a person who is very busy and is just like active doing a lot of busy work, but not, it's like you're in the hamster wheel. Your action isn't actually getting you that far. Whereas if you operate from a different feeling, you have a different fuel. Maybe it's determination, maybe it's certainty, maybe it's curiosity, maybe it's confidence, maybe it's motivation. <laughs> like a few times the motivation comes around, yeah. ride it while it's there. Yeah. You operate from a different feeling, you take much better action that gets you much better leverage. You don't have to take as much action. You don't have to burn yourself out. You found the right fuel that gets you better results with less work.
0: Let's go. Let's go. And That's why I think you always choose growth over grind and growth starts right up here. For those of you that are getting the video clips, I'm pointing to my head. Okay. Um, so number one, you said, is get the garbage out. If you want to have a strong, bulletproof, titanium-grade mindset, number one, you get the garbage out. Love that. That's something they can do immediately. What's the next thing you, that you would might advise to these listeners, these, these sales leaders, that they all have teams? You know, some of them may have teams of three, four, or five. Other people might have teams of 10, 15, and bigger, right? Um, we get the garbage out. Any, any, anything else you would suggest? Here's some things you can do to develop mindsets that are going to take you places.
1: Yeah. So stepping back, I think it's really important to do these exercises for yourself so that you start to learn how it works and then yep. you can apply it with your teams. Yep. So getting the garbage out, write out all those thoughts. Yep. If there's a lot of garbage, do writing every single day, get all the garbage out. The second step after you've gotten it out is, um, reframing the way that you think about things. So looking at the thoughts that you already have, it's helpful to write out the thought that you're thinking right now, write out, how you feel when you think that thought and write out the action that you take because of that, just to start to build that awareness. Once you have the awareness, then you can start working on a new way to think about things. I think this is the step that most people skip. They just forget about (laughs) getting all the garbage out and just try to add the good stuff on top, but it doesn't, it doesn't stick because there's still all the garbage.
0: Well, I like that you made it two steps. Let's get the garbage out. Then you build the new frame. You reframe. And then you can start building the new thoughts on it. So you got to get the walls in before you put the paint on it. Right. And so I, I I like it. You're right. I do think they skipped that step. And I think that's, I'm glad you pointed it out like that reframing, um, when you're doing that for yourself, um, I think it can be hard to reframe a little bit. Like, is there any like. That's where you
1: and I come in, man.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Sometimes just have that. You have to have that sounding board, hiring a coach, hiring somebody outside of you who can see things more clearly than you can, because you've been stuck in those same patterns for decades. Even sometimes hiring a therapist and really quickly, the way I define or kind of think about therapy versus coaching is Mm -hmm. therapy is past focused. If you have a wound from the past that needs to be healed, a therapist is the right person to go to. Coaching is future focused. If you have a goal for the future that you want to attain, go find a coach. So the analogy I like to use is let's say you're training for a marathon and you, for some reason, can't run as fast as the people around you. And you know that you're more skilled, more talented, but for some reason they're performing at a higher level than you are. Maybe it's that you had like an ankle injury from the past. You need to go to a physical therapist to help heal that wound And once that wound is healed, you'll be able to go and reach your goal for the future. So there's definitely overlap between coaching and therapy. But I feel like if you find that you really are chronically held back by these thoughts and these beliefs you have about yourself, go work with a therapist and then come hire Rob or I, and we'll help you get to your future goal. I work with a lot of people who work with therapists therapists and coaches at the same time, and it's gangbusters.
0: Really, really interesting perspective. Again, that's a... I feel like I'm one of the Kings of the power one-liners. You just gave me one. I've not heard. That's awesome. Therapy's yeah. past focused. Coaching is future focused. That's, that's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Um, when people are talking about mindset, like, how hard is it to get people to like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say this the right way. So be patient with me. Yeah. Are there like, different layers you got to pull back? Are we so ingrained that we got to be a note at all? We got to be tough that it's hard for people to really like see where the opportunities to improve mindset are, or, or is it hard to get self-aware? Because I think self-awareness has got to be part of it. Like what's your experience been on getting people to be real about that?
1: You know, it's a really good question. And I don't know if I just have a biased view of people or if I just attract a certain kind of person. Okay most everybody that I work with has a self-awareness and and I don't think that they would hire me if they didn't. So I don't know if everybody is just really self-aware or if it's just my clients that are really self-aware, but I think the first step is asking yourself, am I getting the results that I want to get? Mm. If I'm not getting the results that I want to get, then it's something to do with my mindset. So kind of like the last piece of this cycle is your thoughts, Create your feelings, your feelings create your actions, your actions get you your results. If you are constantly taking action to build your pipeline, which I'm working with salespeople, I know that's probably not your sales leaders, but if you're constantly taking action to build your pipeline, the result is you're going to have a killer pipeline. If you're not ever taking action to build your pipeline, you're not going to have the result will be that your pipeline sucks. And so ask yourself, am I getting the results that I want to be getting? If not, It's probably that I'm not taking the right action and I'm not because I'm not feeling the right way and I'm not feeling the right way because I'm thinking about something that's not helpful for me.
0: So let's take the other side of that coin, because I think that what you just said makes perfect sense to people who are not getting what they want now. Okay. But I think one of the bigger leadership challenges is, is coaching people who are already successful. Okay. Uh, like leaders often say, oh, for my stars, I just leave them alone. And I always say, "Ah, that's the worst thing you can do. And, um, and so I think that this is really, I'm so glad you set this up because we will have people that will, you had a great year. You may have hit everything you wanted to hit next, you know, this year, but you got to grow. Like talent is a gift, but growth is a choice. And so we want people to choose to outgrow their talent, to choose to have next year be better than this year. Well, then we're going to have to grow again. And that means we're going to have to develop our mindset even more, Right.
1: Uh, and I think about it. I mean, to me, that seems kind of intimidating of like, oh my gosh, more growth, more growth. I think about it as evolving. Like I'm going to evolve evolving. into the next version of myself. This version, she's awesome. She's great. Like, let's even just see what the next version of me looks like. Let's evolve into that next version. And there's always more things that we can tick off the chart of things that we want to tackle, things we want to accomplish. Let's like take it one step of a time, at a time and we're going to mm-hmm. evolve into the next version of ourselves yeah, I think it's really fun to think about it that way.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a really great way. So we're evolving. And so we never, we never want to start that up, stop that evolution. Cause as soon as we do, you may be top of the table, but as, as soon as you stop the evolution, you're going to get passed up. Right. And then all of a sudden you do have a world where you're not getting what you want. So even if you're getting what you want now, we got to make sure we're getting what we want in the future too. Right.
1: Right. And I think this is probably where like, I'm certain that your audience is the kind of person, the person who craves that next level of growth. They wouldn't be listening to this podcast if they didn't want to grow, if they didn't want to succeed. Yeah, And so it's fun to think about like, what's going to make me super successful in my role right now as a top salesperson. And then what's going to make me super successful as a new manager. And then what's going to make me super successful as a director with multiple managers working for me. And it's a different mindset for each of those. And so it's kind of like you're, you're accomplishing these little different feats and evolving into the person who's going to be really successful there while still having an eye on the next things that you want to tick off the chart and the different, different evolutions, but something that's going to be the great mindset for the CRO is not going to be the best mindset for like an entry level leader. So I don't know, to me, it's just kind of like, it makes sense that you're going to evolve. You're going to become a new version of yourself and you're going to have different mindsets that get you each step of the way.
0: And that it's exciting that, that growth isn't like this millstone around our neck, like asking us to do more. That's, I think where we can really benefit from this. Like people really get concerned about, well, is there, is the goal going to be realistic? Okay. That's a fair concern. Like I know sometimes there are unsuccessful organizations because they set unrealistic expectations.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that's a different challenge, but the idea of always growing, always evolving, fired up for what's next. I think that's, more unique, even though people might want that, I think that's a little more rare. And that's why you don't see so many people continue to evolve and grow their whole life. And so I love that you said that. It's, well, that's a really, really insightful thing. And so thank you for sharing that. I, I want to shift one more time and then we'll hopefully have a few more minutes. I can't believe we're down to our last 10 minutes, less yeah. than 10 minutes. I told you to go fast. You mentioned it twice early on. I, I'd be remiss if we didn't hit it because you're an expert at this and I love your energy. I love your insights. And I'm so grateful that you're here with us today. You mentioned imposter syndrome a couple of times.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: How real is it? How prevalent is it? I know you say leaders always got to take care of themselves first. Uh, Is this something that they should be on the lookout for, for themselves and for their reps? Any thoughts on that, that you'd want to share?
1: So imposter syndrome happens when you achieve your next big success. Let me just define it.
0: Say that again. I uh, want to, that that's awesome. Say that again. (laughs)
1: <laughs> imposter syndrome only happens if you are a wild success period. Let me define what imposter syndrome is. Cause most people know what it is, but not everybody knows what it is. And this will kind of help you understand like, Oh, that's what that thing is that I've been feeling. Imposter syndrome has three different flavors. First, you feel like a fraud. You feel like you're making it all up and people are going to find out that you don't know what you're doing. This is very anxiety inducing because a lot of feel- people feel like they're going to find out that I'm making all of this up and they're going to fire me. The second flavor of imposter syndrome is that you feel like you just got lucky. You were in the right place at the right time. People who put you in this position didn't totally understand what they were doing. They were temporarily incompetent. And they're going to maybe find out that actually you shouldn't be here. The third flavor of imposter syndrome is that you downplay all your achievements. You feel like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal that I could do it. Anybody could have done it. Um, I'm not anything special. For the third one, I always tell people, it's probably true that most people could have done what you did. Maybe not most, but at least some people could have done what you did. But I want you to really ask yourself, would people do what you did to get where you are? And I'm going to guess, no, not many people would go through all the hardship, all the trial, all the error that you went through and all that difficult work. So that's what imposter syndrome is. So imposter syndrome only shows up when you've got a new promotion, when you're learning a new skill, when you've been assigned a new role, When you've been assigned a new project and you've got a new target to achieve, it only shows up if you are in a growth phase. People who are complacent in their careers and just have everything on autopilot never feel imposter syndrome because they're never growing. I love to compare imposter syndrome as like a mental growth thing and I compare it to a physical growth thing. When you start a new workout, you feel sore. And we use that little bit of soreness as like, oh, it's working. I put in the work, it's working. But when we have mental growth and we feel imposter syndrome, we use that as evidence against ourselves. See, you're not cut out for this. We use it to like prove our beliefs about ourselves. True. See, you couldn't do this. See, people are going to find out. See, you're not good enough. I would love it if people reminded themselves that if, if you feel a lot of imposter syndrome is because you're somebody who loves to grow. And I would love it if those people reminded themselves that when I feel imposter syndrome, it's a sign that I'm in my sweet spot.
0: That is so awesome. Way to, and what I like about that is it's a sign that I'm in my sweet spot.
1: Yeah, it's that little bit of soreness. It's like, oh, it's working. Like I put in the work, it's working. It's not a sign that you're not supposed to be there. You absolutely are supposed to be there. You put in the work, you put in the effort. All your achievements got you to where you are today. And I know I'm blowing your mind. Imposter syndrome literally cannot last. It will not stick around. Pretty soon you'll learn this new skill and it's going to dissipate. Just like when you first started cold calling, it was terrifying. And now you can cold call. It's no big deal. You've done it enough times that you have confidence you can do it again. Imposter syndrome is the same way. You're going to learn this new skill and it's going to go away. It's inevitable an imposter syndrome disappears
0: this is awesome. Like this clip that you just did, uh, on imposter syndrome. I can't wait to turn that into a video clip for our listeners. Um, the idea that it only shows up when you're in growth modes, the only that it shows up when good things are happening. Um, and then you said there was three things and I wrote down and I noticed all of them had the F word that you talked about earlier. They were all feeling related. The first ones you feel like a fraud that you feel like lucky. You yeah. feel like anyone could do it. And so this awareness, this is again, proof of what you said, feelings are fuel. Yeah. And, and like when there's a fire, I remember when I was a little kid, this is, well, I lived in California, I lived in Santa Clara, California. Um, my
1: neighbor.
0: My, yeah. And um, my parents were gone and I don't know why it happened, but there was like some Tupperware or something in the oven and it lit on fire. Okay. Yeah. And And they were gone. They went somewhere. They were there's down the street. And they left me with my little brothers uh, in the house alone. And it was in the oven. It was just a stupid little Tupperware that lit on fire. I didn't know what to do. So I called, I called the fire department. I was like six or seven years old. Okay. My parents were like, literally there was no mobile device to call mom and dad. They were literally just around the corner. They're like, we'll be right back. Okay. And I see it. So I freak out. I call the fire department, mom and dad come home and there's fire trucks in front of the house. And When the fireman came, I was like trying not to cry. I was so young. I was like, my house is gonna burn down. And you know what the fireman did? He just shut the oven. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, if there's no oxygen, that fire's gonna go away. But you and, didn't
1: know, have known but, that as a six-year-old.
0: But as a leader, it's the same thing. If you see the imposter syndrome, shut the oven. Like I said, it's going to go away. It only shows yeah. up at good times. I love the idea of having this frame and this construct that you just did, that when that scary fire happens, teaching yourself and then the people you lead, that that fire is not that scary. And in fact, it's a sign of something positive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Think
1: of it like that soreness that like, Oh yes, it's working. I put in the work. I'm right in my sweet spot. This isn't going to last. It's only a phase.
0: All right. So we, we've only got about three minutes, four minutes left. I want to, I want to make sure we have enough time. How do people get more of you? Like you have a lot of ways you contribute. You got your own podcast. You've got a great newsletter. I, I'm a fan. I, I try to pick up everything you put down. Okay. A, and uh, I want, a lot of listeners that are listening to us to hear how to do that. How how do they get more of you? How do they get your materials? How do they get to hear more of your point of view and and things that you're doing for the sales community?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you pointed out a few of them. I think the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn there. You'll find all the links to all my extra resources. I have a newsletter that I send out weekly that I share mindset tips.
0: And I love it by the way. It's awesome.
1: Thank you. I also have a free course on imposter syndrome that you can get access to on my LinkedIn profile, or you can go to amberdivert.com slash free course it teaches you everything about imposter syndrome, how to overcome it. I also have a paid course that teaches you everything I teach about mindset. My paid course is managermindset.io And again, you can find it on my LinkedIn profile. Um, and then if you want to learn more about me, if you want to work with me, you can find me at amberdivert.com.
0: So, Amber's going to send me all those links. You guys just wrote them down and that's great. But Amber's going to send them to me. We'll put them all in the show notes. So you're one click away from just getting to them. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I'm excited for you to get those. Amber, this has been an awesome conversation. We we will we, we'll make it easy for people to connect with you. I, I, I'm really proud of the fact that we have a large audience. Like I said, it's almost 50,000. I'd love to give you a few more, a couple more minutes, any final thoughts. If you were to put like a bow on this conversation, we talked about playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. And we started with psychological safety. We had a little introduction there. We talked a little bit about mindset and you gave us an awesome framework about how you can build getting the garbage out all the way to building new thoughts and and mindsets. Uh, We finished with this conversation around evolving and, and overcoming this imposter syndrome and 45 minutes. was kind of 15 minutes on each of those topics, which yeah. is really, really awesome. Yeah. If you were to wrap it up and put a bow or a cherry on top, like any final thoughts you'd like to give to these 48,000 people that are listening?
1: I mean, I think the pieces that stand out the most to me, I think if you want to get the most bang for your buck out of this episode, number one, start brain dumping your thoughts, put them on paper, crumple it up, throw it away. Just get them out of your head. Number two, focus on what you're feeling. Your feelings are the differentiator. They make the difference between the action that you take, where you get, where you don't get, they're going to change everything for you. So start paying attention to the feelings that you feel on a regular basis. And to your point earlier, look back on the successes and ask yourself, what was I feeling when that happened? What was I thinking? Oh, I
0: love that. I love that.
1: Reflect on it and use those thoughts and those feelings more to get you to your next success
0: almost like a series of lighthouse moments. So when you're in a dark spot, you can look back and see these lighthouse moments and what was happening when they existed, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I had a really, I had a like amazing um, month in my business last year. I mean, I've had more since then, but I remember reflecting back on it and thinking like, what was I thinking? What was I feeling? And the feeling that I was feeling was like amused. Like this will never work. This is never going to fly. Like, I'm just going to put this out there and see if it works anyway. And I had a gangbusters month and I, I never would have guessed that that was the feeling that fueled it. And so I just, I let out all my snarkiness. I let out all my humor, like, you know what? You're getting the real deal Amber because that's what people want and that's what works. And it's super fun for me. So it's really helpful to reflect back on like, how were you feeling? What were you thinking to create that success so that you can continue to create it in the future?
0: Amber, I knew you were going to be awesome, but you were more awesome. Your awesomeness level was higher than I expected. Um,
1: Freaking fireworks between us, man.
0: That's good. Everything,
1: Everything explodes. I, I want that. to
0: thank you for giving us an hour of your time. I want, on behalf of, a, of these sales leaders worldwide, thank you. I think the timeliness of your message couldn't be greater. As we go into next year, trying to do new things that haven't been done, we are definitely going to need mindsets that we haven't had in order to get there. Yeah. You've given a terrific blueprint. For everyone that's listening, her, her, her name is Amber Dibert. She's helping salespeople and sales leaders just like you play chess while your competitors keep playing checkers so check her out connect with her reach out to her go back and listen to this episode several times go to sales leadership united and find the videos of it and help your team start playing chess in a year that they've needed to play it more than any other amber thank you so much for joining us and i hope that you have many many more of those What just happened months that you just talked about. Thanks so much, and, and I wish you only the very best. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Listen, it's a new year. A new year with new dynamics. We're going to need to bring new sales leadership to those teams we lead. If you haven't started changing your approach to sales leadership, you're already starting to get behind. And, And coming up with these new assets and these new models and these new approaches, it's not easy. And that's why having access to the largest collection of sales leadership assets is so important. I want you to think of Sales Leadership United as a Home Depot for sales leaders. There's everything you need to take your sales leadership game up and create elite impact with those you lead. I'm talking about sales leadership curriculum, sales meeting concepts that are ready to go, proven frameworks, video insights from this episode and dozens of other sales leaders worldwide, a private podcast for members only, and weekly updates on what I'm seeing other sales leaders use and do to create elite, legendary impact with the teams they lead. Listen, people join Sales Leadership United because the depth and the breadth of the sales leadership assets is unparalleled, but they stay because the tools remain so current, so relevant, and so immediately applicable. So don't reinvent sales leadership. You can find Sales Leadership United on Patreon, and for less than the cost of lunch, you can invest in yourself in a way that will supercharge your sales leadership journey. Tap into the tools, the trainings, and the techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world, and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, when I had this conversation with Amber, I knew I wanted to kick it off. 22 for 2023 in fact i told her that i said i'm going to sit on this until next year i've been holding on to it because i think what she has to say is so important and i think it's such an important message for sales leaders as we're at this point of the year where we're kicking things off i think there's three strands to the triple helix in the dna strand of elite sales leadership i, I think just like in real Human DNA where there's three strands that makes what you look like and how smart you are and lots of other characteristics. There are a triple helix for sales leaderships, uh, for your sales leadership DNA. The second strand is your skill set. Listen, there's tons of skills that are important if you want to be an elite sales leader. Tons and tons. and they, They're going to change this year. The skills that you used last year, some are going to become less important. Some are going to become more important. We need to always be upping these skills. We, we, we should be changing them regularly. If you're not, that, that's, that's a reason to be concerned. And you need to be very intentional about your, your skill set so they're modern. The third strand is your approach to performance, how you define performance, what the focus is, the points of emphasis, how you measure it, things that go along with performance management. That one might be the easiest uh, to get your hands around. But the first strand, the one where most sales leaders are not as equipped, right? This is the one that's most important, but the one that is least commonly a skill for sales leaders. It's it's easy to develop rhythms around skill sets of elite leadership if you get serious about it. And you can for sure move past that rookie level of approaching performance pretty quickly as well. But this first one, this first one I keep mentioning, it's the most important one and the most challenging one for us to do as a leader. And I think it's the one that will help you the most in 2023. It's also one that will set you apart the most because very few leaders are formally trained in it. We have a lot of training in other areas, but very few people have training in this first discipline. And this first discipline in elite sales leadership, it's mindset. Mindset is the most important element to high performance. But in my experience, it's the least developed. And that's why I'm so glad Amber hit it so hard. And that's why I had to hold on to it to kick off the year. She came out of the gates fast and she did not look back. She really broke it into some pretty important categories, and you could break this conversation with me into four or five pretty important chunks, every one of which is important. The first one was creating psychological safety. The data around this is undeniable, and it's a topic you should dig into if you want to be a high-impact sales leader. Amber provides some really killer insights around why this topic is so important and the things you can do about it. She goes so far as to say that psychological safety is what makes for the best teams, So my advice is to get educated on this. Amber has some great tools and some great data that she will share with you if you want it. Just ask. Hit her up. She's got it for you. The second is having what she called a real version of yourself. I love her thoughts about the importance of unlocking knowledge. Listen, nobody wants to work for a know-it-all leader. That's one of the biggest mistakes and easiest traps to fall into. I loved how Amber said it. Your job isn't to know everything. Your job is to get the people you work with and help them get to the places they want to be. There's so much we can all learn if we go back and listen to this part again. I, I loved this part. I think it was very insightful. I think every sales leader has something to gain by going back and and paying attention to this one. The the, the third mindset element she talked about was one we actually called mindset, but what we really dove into here was feelings. I really dug her framework of think, feel, act. Think, feel, act. How you act is driven by what you feel. What you feel is driven by what you think. Um, and, And so this idea that what you think about drives how you feel, and what you feel drives what you do led to this really interesting conversation that it was maybe one of my favorite things we talked about, is that feelings become part of fuel. If we're going to upgrade our performance this year, we've got to upgrade how we create horsepower. There's two or three ways we can create horsepower. Feelings is a key, key component. You can help your team perform higher if you help them operate on a better kind of fuel, just like a vehicle, just like a fire. Some fuel in a fire burns hotter and some doesn't. So I want you to think about this one. I want you to think about how you create horsepower and what your team uses for fuel. Because your feelings 100% become your fuel. And, And if what she says is true, that your thoughts drive your feelings, then you need to be focused on your thoughts. Be aware of what you're thinking about. Evaluate those thoughts. Evaluate your governing beliefs. Help the members of your team get the garbage out. Getting the garbage out is one of the most powerful things you can do as a leader. It helps eliminate all kinds of unnecessary problems if you can get good at that. I've got some tools on that inside Sales Leadership United. Amber's got a lot of tools on that. But getting the garbage out is a sales leader's, really, it's a go-to and it's a best friend. I want to finish that with you're not going to have the success you want in 2023 without a 2023 operating system that will get you there. you got to have a t- strong 2023 operating system if you're going to have a strong 2023 performance level. So I think you got to use Amber's model. Number one, this is about creating good beliefs and thoughts. Number one, get the garbage out. Dump the negative beliefs. Develop the ability to do that. Learn how to address those head on. I do that with my clients regularly. People will say, I believe this. And we talk about, do you have evidence of that? Or are you creating that? Most of the time, 80% of the time, the things we worry about never even happen. Number two, reframe the reality. Do not get trapped in the past. I'm reading my first book of the year. I, I try to read about a book a week. I started it yesterday. It's uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And um, and one of the, the governing themes is that the weak minds or the, the weak souls, the weak people are trapped in the past. They are governed by the past, and it stops you from – Enjoying and living, and Marcus Aurelius is a a book that I love to read, and I I would recommend you dive into it if 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 you're so inclined. This idea of weak people being trapped in the past, I think, is true. Um, We're not guaranteed anything in the future. The past, we can't do anything about, so we have to learn how to thrive in the now. And so. That's the first one. Get the garbage out. Number two, reframe your reality. Don't be trapped in the past like I talked about. And then number three, be intentional about building new thoughts. Be intentional about creating new beliefs, positive beliefs, uh, proactive beliefs. Every single one of us is going to have a growth goal for this coming 2023. So, Like some of my clients are telling me they got to grow by 50, 60%. Some people are telling me it's 5 to 10%. Some of the companies I work with, they got to triple the company this year. Everybody's got a different growth goal, but one of the common things is we got to grow. My advice, this is not the year to make it about the grind. This is not about making up more activities. This is about adding more purpose and adding more skill. Make this the year about growth. Growth through purpose. Growth through awareness. Growth through skill. And all of that starts with your mindset. You will only do the things you think about first. So I don't want you to think that mindset coaching is as simple as being a cheerleader. Yeah, we need to be positive. we got to cultivate positive energy. But it is not about standing in front of everyone and saying things like, if you can believe it, you can achieve it. I think that's bogus. Okay? I think mindset is a very real, very powerful thing. I want to share a personal uh, story, and this is gonna be a little bit longer, so what? And I apologize for it. But over the holidays, my father died. I'll probably refer to him a time or two in the next coming months. He finally lost a long, difficult battle with dementia. I don't know if you're familiar with the impact of dementia. But for me, I thought it was just losing your memory. Turns out it's far, far worse than that. In my father's case, his mind forgot how to make his body work. I saw firsthand what happens when your mind stops helping you go places. His legs were fine. His knees were fine. His joints were fine. But for the last three to four years, he's been in a wheelchair unable to walk because his mind literally forgot how to make his legs work. His mind slowly went on to to forget how to make everything work. His lungs, he couldn't breathe very good. His digestive system, I won't even get into that. All of his body had problems. He would wake up every single day and not know where he was. Sometimes he didn't even know who he was. And he for sure didn't know the people who loved him, who they, who we were. Now, this is an extreme example of what happens when your mind stops taking you places. But it's a real example. And my father was a brilliant man. He's one of the inventors of the laser printer for Hewlett-Packard, one of the top engineers of his generation, someone who had learned to use more of his mind than most people ever will. So my message, don't overlook the power of mindset. Take the time to learn about it. Practice it. Focus it. Turn it into the massive advantage it will be. Teams with leaders who understand how to develop strong, bulletproof, titanium-grade mindsets have an incredible advantage. So follow Amber's advice. Start with the mindset. And before you know it, you'll be playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, just like Amber said. So Amber, my friend, thank you so much for joining me. This was such an important and such a timely episode. We're at a natural point in the in our year where we start things, okay? This natural starting point. Time where people know they need to grow. They know they need to accomplish more. And if you want 2023 performance, you're going to have to have a 2023 mindset, an operating system that will take you places. And Amber will help you do just that. So go back, go back and listen, take notes, break it down and spend time building the mindsets that will fuel the journey you need to make. And then make sure you're building psychological safety in your environment. You're creating new beliefs. You're developing the highest octane fuel possible. So connect with Amber. Reach out to her. Follow her. I'm telling you, she can help you learn to use mindset as a building block of elite performance. And she can do a lot of other things to help you in your performance quest as well. And then be sure to check out Sales Leadership United to get the video segments and the highlights of my conversation with Amber. You're going to want to use these videos for sure. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. If you're comfortable, leave us a review on iTunes, and you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Patreon and check it out. You'll be glad you did. Thank you so much for your support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job as sales leaders is to create life-changing years for those we lead. And if you liked this message, please share it this week with someone who needs to hear it. And be sure to come back next week. I'm delivering my 2023 SKO to each of you. I'll share the insights that will help you make 2023 a year of elite performance and a year of the upgrade. So let's get after it this week because life is short. We got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. So maximize what you do today. Be elite. Live strong, chase your passions, and do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget, you got this, and I got you. Here's to a terrific week to start off what will be the best year of our careers. Go get it. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the JepsA Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jeppg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.